Happy Tuesday. That's right. It's Tuesday and you're hearing my voice because this is a very special bonus episode. I'm presenting to you today a little live stream that I did last week on our Facebook page over at facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty with Michael Cheney of The Michael Cheney Show talking about all about coronavirus, all about the looting and riots that have been going on and a lot of the, eh, let's just say strange occurrences intermixed. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsors because this bonus episode is brought to you by our good friends at the North Spokane Hemp Company. You can find that over at NorthSpokaneCBD.com. They are here for all your needs here in these stressful, stressful times with everything that's been going on, especially in the U.S. lately. If you are stressed out, though, one thing that can help you is CBD, and North Spokane Hemp Company has all your CBD needs from flour to tinctures to treats for your pets. That's right, even CBD for your pets, my friends. If your pets are having aches and pains, CBD can help them out. So check it all out at NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Do not forget to use discount code LIONS at checkout for 15% off your order. On top of that, they'll toss in free delivery for any order over $50. So head over to NorthSpokaneCBD.com and use discount code LIONS at checkout. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Here's we are now live on Facebook, so uh, I will just start. It's funny, every, every time there's a live stream, no matter how good I try to start things, it always starts off with me saying, wait, are we live? Yeah, we're live. Okay, we're live. Great. <laughs> anyway, I'm here with uh, the great Michael Cheney of The Michael Cheney Show. How are things, Michael? Actually, first of all, first of all are you ready to roar? Oh, I'm always ready to roar. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, Michael, it's been a couple months since um, we kind of both went on each other's shows. Uh, I had you on, and really, we did a lot talking about kind of your story, how, how you became an entrepreneur. And just as we were, I, I think we touched on coronavirus a bit, because it was just kind of picking up as I interviewed you. And then you had me on your show right after the lockdown started in Los Angeles. This was back in, I think, March. And right. uh, since then, you have become like the pretty much the, the coronavirus guru, I, I guess, in, in a way. This has become really an issue that you focus on more than anything else, really doing a lot of deep dives into kind of the origins of this thing, um, everything going on with the government. And of course, um, even since I booked you for this interview about a week ago uh, for this follow-up, uh, obviously things have gotten even crazier. Not necessarily coronavirus related with the lockdowns or, you know, with the riots and the looting in the U.S., um, but uh, I think everything is sort of tied together in some ways, and we'll, we'll try to make some of those connections today. But uh, first of all, I don't know, I don't know where you want to start, because as, as, like I said, as we left off, I think the coronavirus stuff was just starting. I had just started the lockdown in Los Angeles, and you had just started, um, I think you were maybe allowed to go outside twice a day in the U.K. When, when we last spoke. So how have things escalated? Let's just focus on maybe the United Kingdom, um, for starters, uh, in the last two right. months or so. Has the the police state become more and more encroaching around this stuff? Yeah, I mean it's it's been such a crazy ride, hasn't it? I mean, like, like the last time that you and I spoke, as you said, we were like, "Oh, do you remember the good old days where we just used to complain about taxation?" And then, <laughs> right. and then now I'm thinking, "Oh, do you remember the good old days where we just used to com- complain about the coronavirus lockdown?" And mm-hmm. I'm like, what the hell's going to happen on the next episode, dude? Are we going to be like here? Like, do you remember before the zombies when we used to just complain about COVID and man? I miss the days when we were just under house arrest because of a virus. <laughs> that was that was the good old times. Yeah. Well, it's it's just kind of sod's law, I guess. That I'm um, based in probably one of the countries that has been allegedly worst affected by the virus, but also worst affected by the government reaction to the virus. Because what what I'm always you know, quick to point out to people is that um, 
you know, it's not the virus that's put people out of work. You know, it's not the virus that's shut businesses. It's it's the government reaction to the virus that's caused all these things. Here in the UK as a whole, um, we are one of the worst affected, apparently, regions in Europe for the infection rate, uh, which we'll come on and talk about the numbers uh, and all that stuff. Um, but here in Scotland, um, where I am, they are probably the the even worse than England in terms of how strict they are like they're not if you see Boris Johnson the prime minister of the UK on TV and he's saying look we're going to release the lockdown they have autonomous power here in Scotland to say well actually no we're not doing that and that's exactly what they're doing so uh, in England kids are back to school already um in Scotland kids won't be back to school until August for example so I'm happen to be totally coincidentally in one of the worst uh, affected areas in terms of freedoms right now. We can leave the house um, unlimited times now for exercise. We cannot go around to anyone else's house. Uh, we can only meet people outside from one other household at a time, and we need to be at a two-meter distance. Obviously, this is what they're saying. What actually goes on is obviously uh, entirely different. It depends on your stance, but uh, well, that, that's, that's what I'm state. kind of curious about. How how has the enforcement of this stuff been? I have seen the occasional video from the United Kingdom. Um, just like I think I saw one guy who was just trying to deliver groceries to his mom or something and got arrested. That was maybe a few a few weeks ago. But right. I mean, ha- are are the police having a heavy hand with this? Or maybe you can speak more specifically to what you've seen there in Scotland. Uh, but or is it more of like you know we know these laws are there, but we're not going to go around you know asking people if they've actually only contacted one other family that day. Right. No, they are. I mean, they're busting people up. I mean, you know, there's been over 15,000 people have been fined as a result of breaking lockdown uh, laws in the UK. Obviously, we've only got a population population about 65 million. So there's quite a lot of people that have been pulled up on this. They're stopping cars. Um, Interestingly, a lot of the politicians themselves that set the lockdown have been busted, breaking their own laws um, most recently, Dominic Cummings, he's the lead advisor to the Prime Minister. This is during the time when he was basically telling the whole population in the UK, stay at home, uh, go in lockdown, don't visit family, whatever you do, um, especially if you've got symptoms. He had COVID-19 and he got in the car with his wife and he drove several hundred miles to be closer to his parents just in case he needed to give his kids to them for childcare. He went on uh, numerous trips out to see uh, like tourist attractions and things like this. And it's like this huge scandal over here in the UK. Everybody's like, well, wait a second, you said this. You know, there's people that have not been able to go to the funerals of their wives and partners because they've been obeying the laws. This guy, who's actually one of the lead advisors in government, went against that and just traveled anyway. He naturally had COVID-19. Wow. Um, obviously, the, the main and scientific... And his parents, who I assume would be at... I, have, I would have to imagine they'd be in the high-risk age category. Right. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't staying with them. He was. He wanted to be closer to them. It was also a nicer location for him. Uh, he moved out from London, traveled up to a place called Durham uh, to do that. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, they're saying one thing and doing another, which is a twofold thing for me. And there's numerous cases of, do- of people doing this, politicians. First, it's obviously do as we say, not as we do. But secondly, they're not that worried about it. You know, if these people have got access to the best information, these are the guys that are actually feeding the information to the media. They're not worried. So what's going on? Like another guy was the the main scientific advisor for Imperial College London. This is Professor Neil Ferguson. He was called Professor Lockdown here in the UK because he came up with a model 
that Imperial College London used to create the lockdown in the UK. They also gave it to Trump, and it has been used around the world, this projection of 500,000 people that would die um, if nothing was done. He changed that model 24 hours after uh, social distancing, at which point no effect could have been uh, felt, and said, actually, no, it's probably going to be closer to 50,000. He was seeing a mistress during lockdown, having her travel across London and come to his house when people were supposed to be isolating and not seeing anybody from other families. So he's since resigned. The Scottish Minister for Health, she travelled 200 miles to her second home. She resigned. There's another politician that went to see his mum and dad, despite a week before saying to people, don't visit your parents for Mother's Day, you should do it on Skype. He went to see his parents. It's, it's crazy. So a lot of people, as I say, a lot of people have been fined. The police are trying to do what they can. Um, and they have, you know, they've shot businesses, they've stopped people in the street, they've fined people, they've broken up house parties, they've bo- broken up street parties, they've broken up barbecues. So, you know, they're moving people on from sitting in the park and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs. It's easing off now. Um, but we are now at the stage. This, this is kind of, with everything going on, it's like a tyrant's wet dream, you know, because they can just slide all of this new, um, new technology and new uh, laws under the carpet where nobody's watching. One of them is this new contact tracing. There's now an app that's present and active in the UK right now where if you've come into contact with somebody, you're within two meters of them um, for 20 minutes or longer, you and they have COVID, you are going to get a call from the contact tracers. They're going to phone you up on the phone and say, somebody that uh, you've come into contact with because your phones have spoken to one another without you knowing, you are at risk. You need to be isolated for 14 days. Uh, so you've got to isolate at home for 14 days. And well, you can they, be they quarantined. They a text message saying, all right, now you got to stay home. And then and then what do they, I mean, are they actually going around enforcing those quarantines based on the, you know, the cell phone tracing? Well, in terms of the, the enforcement, they are, well, you get a call. It's not a text message. So what, what happens is they've, they've made this app available, right? They tested it in part of the UK. This is rolling out all around the world. I mean, the mm-hmm. States has already started doing this. But the phones speak to one another. They send a signal to one another uh, through Bluetooth. And Apple, the latest Apple update, if you've installed the latest uh, update on Apple, you will have agreed to uh, contact tracing like this that will actually send this data to one another. So if a phone gets close to another phone for 20 minutes, Bluetooth signals are sent between each of them, meaning that these two people have met or been in close proximity. Then if one of these people has the official uh, COVID tracing app, that the governments are now rolling out as one, in, as I say, in England now that's active. If you, if that person then says, yeah, I've tested positive for COVID, everybody that has come into contact with that person's cell, cell phone with these keys that have been sent to one another is going to get a message. It's going to be called by contact tracing team uh, and saying, right, who have you, who have you met? You need to lock down. You've come into contact. They won't obviously tell you who it is. In terms of enforcement, I don't know how they're going to enforce it, but they've got your details, right? They've got your phone number. They know where you live. They've contacted you. They've given you the, the directive. It'd be fairly easy for them to to monitor that, I would guess, particularly if they they've got the key and they know what your cell phone is. You you know you can easily track a cell phone once you've got the the unique data for it. Super super creepy. And and this these contact tracing apps. These are things that people are just voluntarily 
downloading and voluntarily using, or are these things that are just kind of being snuck into the phones via you agree to it on the, you know, when you get an update and don't even think any, twice about it? Well, the technology is being snuck in like that with with iPhone and, and Android, that both Google and Apple are both doing this now. So they've made it available. So these Bluetooth keys are being sent, but it's not, apparently is not being used unless there's a, an official government approved app that can use that data. It can't be anybody that just gets hold of that data. But in terms of the, the the transmission between two phones, if you've updated your iPhone, it's already taking place, and Android's probably the same. In terms of it going anywhere, if we're to believe Google and Apple that they won't use it, then yes, they need to voluntarily download the app. However, in India, they told people, oh, you, it's voluntary that you download the app. Don't worry. It's not everybody. You don't have to get it. However, um, if you're caught outside in a curfew without the app, uh, you can be imprisoned for up to six months in India for doing this. They arrested... But it's voluntary. About, oh, it's totally voluntary. Yeah. Just, you know, if you don't have it, you'll be in prison. Sure. There was, I think, a b bunch of like 20 or 30 people that were caught in India being out on curfew. They wouldn't release them from jail until they de watched them download the app on their phone. Again, it's just totally voluntary. You know, there's no pressure. You can if stay you in like. prison. Yeah, you can stay here under detention or voluntarily download this app. I also found a document on the Washington State uh, website in the U.S. Uh, talking about these quarantines and saying, again, this is a voluntary quarantine request. Um, if you, we strongly urge, we strongly recommend that you agree with this request. Uh, if you choose not to, uh, we can use uh, police force to ensure that you do agree with this voluntary request. So again, it's like, this is totally voluntary, but if you say no, we'll get the police to make you do it, right? So again, th this is the way that they're going. They, they sneak these things in. They said it was to do with COVID just over the past few days. And this is how we segue very neatly over to what's happening right now. Over the past few days, it's, it's, it's been re revealed that they are now using these uh, tracing apps and these uh, contact tracing networks. These people are literally phoning people up and tracking what they're doing on social media and contacting them on the phone and asking them questions about who they know and who they've seen and restaurants and all that. They're now using it for protesters to build a map of where the protesters are coming from and where they're going to after the protest. That's happening right now. In that some didn't states. take long. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh, yeah, we're just doing this. It's just for a pandemic. It's just for your own safety. Oh, well, let's use it for this Well, since well. we have it, I mean. Yeah. Since everyone's so voluntarily accepting it. Uh, I, I want to go back and talk a little more about coronavirus itself, because you really dove in headfirst into researching uh, the origins of this thing, uh, the legitimacy of it. Uh, and I think when we first spoke a couple months ago, you were kind of like me, like you're not saying it's not real or is real, or you're just saying, I don't know, I, I, there's a real virus out there, but you know who knows, t time will tell sort of how it all plays out. But uh, right. through your research over the last couple of months, what has, how have your thoughts about coronavirus itself changed, about COVID-19, uh, its origins, and basically how, how dangerous it is, or how, how dangerous it was being sold as, I should say, as, as compared to how dangerous it might seem it is now? Right. So just to qualify this, I know a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I've done research. I've locked into this. Uh, as you kind of alluded to earlier, I mean, I, I was spending several hours every single day since sort of late January looking into this. Yeah. It just, be, you know, I just became obsessed about it. Um, so I've, I've gone through scientific research papers. I've watched hours and hours and hours of videos, not of just talking heads, but of actual scientists, researchers, people that are not being paid by government, people that are not being paid by big pharma, people that have been working for decades on uh, 
pandemics like this, on viruses like this, uh, and really trying to understand what's actually happening. In terms of the origin, I've not spent hardly any time at all looking about the or- uh, looking into the origin. I could really care less about that. I know some people are really, oh, but was it China? Or what? So, to my mind, I'm like, you know, the horse has bolted. Let's let's look at what what what's faced with us. You know, what we're faced with right now. What are they telling us? And what is the actual truth of the situation? I'm not really bothered about the origins of it. That'll, that'll right. come out in the wash, maybe. Um, but in terms of how dangerous it actually is, it's it's microscopically dangerous. I mean, it's it's ludicrously small. The, the chances of dying dying from this thing are, are just so, so small. I mean, it's tragic that people die. We know that. But take Italy as an example, because Italy is the, the, the example. They kept talking about this as this is the worst thing ever. This, You know, we don't want to be the next Italy. In Italy, over 90% of the, the deaths that were recorded had at least one underlying cause, okay? At least one, over 90%. Um, many of the people that died in Italy we know were over 80 years old. We know that their, uh, their population on average is 10 years older than any other country in Europe. They are the second oldest population in the world. They have really bad air quality, particularly in northern Italy, and this is, you can go and research this and find this yourself. It's well recorded. They've got a, a series of historical data backing up uh, respiratory problems in northern Italy where the big uh, outbreak was. Um, so this whole thing that look how bad it is in Italy, we don't want to be the next Italy. Well, actually, it was bad in terms of deaths, yes. But in terms of deaths caused because of COVID, this is the difference. This is what they never really spoke about. It was always deaths with COVID. The example I always say was, well, most people die with skin, right? Unless you're in some bad, you know, potato peeling incident, right? Right. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't mean you're died because of skin. Right. And yet that's, that's what they're saying, right? With all the figures, this is, these are COVID deaths. I mean, I've literally, I'm not making any of this up. You can go and find this out. He died seen, just after breathing air. Therefore, he died yeah. with air. Yeah, he, he died with, with, with exhalation. You know, I've seen a guy, there was a guy who fell over in his house and hit his head, fell down the stairs, COVID, listed as a COVID death. I've seen somebody who overdosed on drugs, COVID death, because they tested positive for COVID-19. By their own admission, the health experts in the US said, if you're in, the hosp- if you're in a hospice and you're given two weeks to live, COVID comes along, you test positive for COVID, you'll be listed as a COVID-19 death. Even if prior to that, you were already yeah. told you had two weeks to live. Yes. Wow. And there's a whole, I mean, there's thousands of cases in the US where they didn't even do a test, right? I mean, the CDC put guidelines out to doctors and said you don't have to do a test. Um, you know, if you think it's COVID, if it's a symptom of COVID, and we all know that how many symptoms there are of COVID, it's pretty much everything, like loss of taste, loss of right. smell, you know, sniveling nose, sore Anything throat, Anything you might have if you had a normal cold or cough. Yeah, it's just like COVID, 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 you know, just stamping him left, right, and center. So it's not a clear representation of how lethal this disease is, even if the numbers were accurate. And even if all the numbers that they gave us had died because of COVID, which is totally not the case, it's a fraction of that. But even if they were, if you look at it on a global population basis, so deaths with COVID, versus the global population it's still microscopically small your chances of, of actually dying even taking this. all those numbers at face value all those numbers where they just add the with covid to, for deaths that would have likely almost definitely happened without covid 
right even, even including those numbers it's, it's, it's yeah yeah i mean it's 0.02 percent is something like that if you take the number of deaths with covid worldwide versus a worldwide population your chances of dying from covid is 0.02 percent so not not two percent not two out of every hundred people i mean it's just ridiculous like even for example a couple of weeks ago in england they released the statistic that there are you would need to meet 400 people in the in england to find one person that's infected with covid now the chief medical examiner himself said most people the vast majority of people don't catch it right so let's move move aside a bunch of people that don't catch it of those that do catch it the vast majority don't get symptoms right so we're already whittling down the vast majority that get symptoms uh recover at home the vast majority that end up going to hospital get out right away the vast majority that remain in hospital um, get out before going to ICU. The vast majority that go to ICU survive. And then there's those unfortunate few, almost all of which are old people, older people with underlying causes who sadly die. But your chances of getting through all of those tiny little eyes of a needle in each of those situations, tragic though it is, is microscopically small versus the incredible... Um, you know, just noise that has been made about this and all the, the infringements that have come about as a result of it. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Think about how much those numbers must have been skewed, especially in the beginning, when the only people that were getting tested for COVID or being looked at for COVID are the people that make it to a hospital that actually got the got the, the virus, developed the symptoms, had the symptoms get so bad that they decided, oh, I need to go to a hospital. And then out of those people are where we got, got those initial numbers from. Now there's just, you know some more widespread testing, so maybe it's it's being spread out a little bit. But uh, it seems so obvious to me that so much, so much of the numbers were coming from an already very sick portion of the population that was getting to that point, whereas most of us would never even get there. Most of us would never even know we had it if we didn't independently get tested or just decide to. Well, yeah, most a lot of huge, I mean, millions of people worldwide will already have had it and, and know nothing whatsoever about it. Uh, but this is the kind of the move that they're making now more towards this is saying, well, you know, and, it, and, it, and this is how they do it, right? This is how they change the, the narrative. They started out by saying, we've got to protect our health services. We've got to lock people down because otherwise the health services, the hospital is going to be overloaded. We saw that very quickly. It didn't happen, right? It literally did not. It might, might have been little pockets, maybe in New York, obviously in Northern Italy, the work cases of lots of people going into hospital one time but in terms of a massive you know people queuing up to get into hospital and, and medical staff being completely overloaded around the world it just didn't happen so what they then and that happened before the lockdown had uh, time to take effect by the way because of course from in uh, uh, sort of incubation of the virus through to it uh, leading to hospitalization or death you're looking at about 20 days so on, in almost all the cases if you look at the curves for uh, the incidence of uh, hospitalizations and deaths and all, all the curves that basically follow the same thing, right? The, the path of the virus, the downturn always, almost always happens before the 20 day period after the lockdown, right? So you might lock down on the way up and then you'll reach the peak and you start locking down and then you'll hit the 20 days, hmm. right? When it would have actually, that's the first point at which the lockdown could ever have had any impact. Right. Um, there's the Professor Witkowski, which I fe uh, featured uh, and spoken about before. He looked at the data. This is official data that CDC gave at a presidential briefing uh, with a graph that basically outlined three peaks of hospitalization admissions in the US for flu-like symptoms. So they're basically recording anybody that's got flu-like symptoms um, 
over the, past, over the first few months of 2020. So it had a peak in January, which was incidentally the highest peak, which was for flu. Then it had another peak in February, and there was another peak uh, 17th of April. Now, the 17th of April peak, that was the peak of the virus. There were no, that was the highest that coronavirus hospital admissions ever got. There was no more people admitted to hospital. You know, that was the highest amount of people admitted to hospital in a given day on the 17th of April. The US locked down a week later, right? So the virus is already on the way out, right? Before any measures had even been put in place, it was it was too late. You know, the, the horse had already bolted and then they're like, oh, let's shut the door and, and lock everybody in, you know? And there's no scientific proof that lockdowns even work anyway. You know, it's just never, it's never been, never been tried before. So I mean, if you look at countries that lock down or even U.S. states that lock down and you look at their death rates or their hospitalization rates, there's just no relationship at all. It's, there's not even a negative or positive relationship. There's just none. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. You can't even point to literally any correlation whatsoever, it seems. <clears throat> but the lockdown supporters, at least until the last week, where now we're not talking about that so much anymore, I guess, uh, now that there's there's riots and protesting to be done, uh, you know, they, they seem to have just really stuck their feet into the ground. And, and because and maybe it's be- in some ways because if you've already told people, well, you have to stay home for these weeks and you have to lose your job, you have to lose your income, but it's all for this greater good. Once that is shown to not be true, I don't know, maybe some people feel like they have to just dig in because, you know, if, 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 if it's not true, if it's not true that lockdowns are working, if it's not true that lockdowns are needed, well, we just ruined millions and millions of people's lives for no reason. So maybe that's just a tough thing for people or politicians especially to admit. Um, I'm kind of curious what what your thoughts are on the motivations behind all this. If the numbers being reported are, are so skewed, if there's so much fear being put out there and hype being put out there, how much of this can you attribute to um, just ignorance or maybe just maybe politicians are actually afraid. They're, maybe they're actually afraid of, of the virus getting out of control, um, even if their actions don't always say that they are. Uh, so, I mean, do you think it's just an overreaction for government, whereas they only have one tool and that's violence, so we're just going to say lock everything down? Or is there something else going on here? <laughs> I mean, I think, I think we've all got to be in agreement. If, if we came into Common Sense Corner together, right, we just dropped all our political uh, persuasions and all our, all our ideologies, I think everybody would say something is not right about this, <laughs> right? right? Something is fishy. Something is just weird and off. Like, it's not like there's certain countries that have, you know, that have done nothing and sort of said, no, no, I'm, I'm not. But everybody seems to, have, seems to have gone along with this, and yet we've seen it's almost like they're they're taunting us. Do you know what I mean? They've not outwardly lied. I mean, the information is there. All the information I've gathered together and all the research, it's publicly available stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like the World Health Organization and all the funding that, that that gets, you know, all the billions of dollars it gets from Bill Gates and all the big pharma. You know, you talk about that and people are like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, well, it's there. It's on the World Health Organization website. You go and check it out. You see all the line entries for who's giving the money. So motivation-wise... I, I don't know. I, I, again, it's 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 really just anybody's guess what's actually going on. But I think th- there is something. There has to be something going on. I, I'm really leaning now, particularly in light of what's happened over the past couple of weeks, to the fact that it almost seems like they've they've agreed that 2020 is the year that that they make something happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, almost like they've decided we've got to start reining things in here because. Again, I'm just playing devil's devil's advocate as a tyrant here. We're at the tyrant's right. world meeting. Take a tyrant right? head on for us. Well, like, wait a second. We've got, got all these guys kicking off in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. We've got 
Um, be, people basically becoming journalists. They just need a phone now and they're journalists and they can get a million views on Twitter and YouTube and all this. We've now got um, uprisings going on a little bit over in the US with a pro-gun lobby. We've got the Richmond uh, protests, thousands of people, armed people lining the streets and talks about, you know, more move. Yeah, I wonder. Even over there in England, you have uh, you have Brexit, you have the independence movements, uh, you know, in various countries. So, I mean, there's there's uh, that fervor out there a, a little bit, it seems like, that fervor of, of freedom, or at least in little, little hot spots here and there. Yeah. I mean, when this first started, I, I'll admit, I, it felt to me like it was, um, it felt like the time, you know, the, the leaders, the, the government were basically trying to jump on the bandwagon and really capitalize. Like they had a whole wagon of stuff that they wanted to pile in. Oh, let's get this in. This is a great time to bring this one in. Mm-hmm. Now it, it seems too coincidental that all this stuff is kicking off, you know? And the two are related, obviously, all the unrest in the US and the lockdown, you know, all the pent up frustration, people are out of work, people are pissed off. The government's basically telling them when they can't and when they can't work, what they can do, where they can't go. And obviously all the race thing thrown in. I mean, you know, I was speaking earlier today and basically saying we can't, we don't want to make the mistake of assuming we know the motivations and the circumstances of every individual protester because we really don't. You know, people could be going out and doing whatever they're doing for any number of reasons. We can't just say, oh, well, they're, you know, they're protesting because of the race thing. They're protesting because of, you know, they're anarchists. These guys sure. just want to steal. We don't know what situation they're in. But what I say is what's caused anybody to feel this way is the system. Right? I don't justify any of it, and there's a lot of wrong stuff going on. But what really annoys me is people that get more riled up by, for example, like the looters and the people stealing stuff, and they do the government that's been stealing from us since the dawn of time. They're like, oh, no, 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 that's, that's different. The IRS coming and taking half of my money before I get it right. or taking you know, $150,000 from your late father, Michael, you know, from his estate that he worked on. That, that's different from somebody going to Target. And t- is it? Because... There was no permission there, and that wasn't voluntary. And if it didn't happen, we would be in jail. So, do you know what I mean? So, there's there's lots going on, as you said, and it is it is related. It is related. Yeah, I guess uh, the visual of someone running out of Target with a TV looks more looks visually more like crime than uh, your taxes. Even if your taxes are represent maybe a, a much larger portion of my income than they do that the, the TV might represent of Target's income, uh, proportionally, it's probably much smaller of a crime if you really look at it for stealing a TV as opposed to taking 30, 40, 50% of my income every single year over and over and I can do absolutely nothing about it. Even though that is voluntary as well. I'm not sure if you know that. U.S. income tax is also voluntary in, in a very similar way as, as the contact <laughs> tracing apps and that sort of thing. You can right. choose not to pay and you can just choose to face the consequences, including going to jail. That's all. It's all yeah. voluntary. <laughs> uh, but I think it, it does seem time to uh, kind of tie these things together a little bit. So I, when, when the lockdowns first started happening, I, I said to myself, like, this stuff is going to go in a bad direction if this goes on for long at all. Maybe people will put up with a couple weeks because they'll buy into this idea. We just have to flatten the curve, the curve, and that, that's what we were told at first, which that line has completely gone out the window, that we just have to take a few weeks, uh, let everybody that has doesn't maybe got the virus, doesn't have symptoms, let it go, get all cleared through their system, and then we can go back to normal once the hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Well, the hospitals never got overwhelmed, hardly anywhere. Uh, I know outside of New York City, there were naval hospitals they set up. Never saw people or saw a couple people and they, they 
shut down. In Washington State, there were hospitals they set up, a field hospital, never saw a patient. Uh, there was all this buildup and all this buildup, and the overwhelming just never came. I'm sure there are a few places where there were, but for the most part, the hospital systems were not overwhelmed at all. Uh, in fact, many hospitals, because they shut down all the quote-unquote um, option, op, what's the term I'm looking for here? Not, not optional, but... Um, you know, non uh, non essential surgeries and that right. sort of thing. It's kind of like non essential workers who gets to decide what's essential and what's non essential when it comes to medical procedures. But a lot of that non essential stuff is uh, like cancer screenings or you know things that people that are actually costing people lives by not getting their regular appointments that they need or, or even like an eye doctor appointment. It was nearly impossible trying to get an eye doctor appointment in Los Angeles just two months ago, just when this stuff started. So there's there's so many little things that. P- People can't access in the medical system because of everything that's been going on. Meanwhile, they're still supporting lockdowns. I mean, some places are starting to open up in the U.S., but as soon as I find it very, very interesting that as soon, literally the first weekend in Los Angeles where they started to allow restaurants to open up somewhat is right when these riots hit and right when things start, right as we're starting to open things up. And I don't know, I guess the um, the inner Alex Jones, the Spidey sense, just, just keeps going off when all this stuff just keeps coincidentally piling on top of each other and piling on top of each other. And I have no doubt that racial tension, like seeing you know George Floyd be murdered on camera, and we can talk about some of the weird stuff with that if you want as well. Um, that visual, visual along with a uh, you know, certain sense of injustice, is definitely a big part of the protests and probably a lot of part of the anger that leads to the looting. I have no doubt that people being locked down and unable to work for months on end is a large part of it too. And then there's the third p- part we can look at where how much of this is coordinated because some of it just feels coordinated when you see large groups going through cities, um, all, all, not necessarily related to the protests. I know in Santa Monica, I'm getting, I'm not, I'm not in Los Angeles anymore, but what I'm hearing from other people there, you know, in Santa Monica, there was a protest, uh, a peaceful protest, you know, just a normal, normal protest with no looting or anything. And then there's another group that just swoops in from out of nowhere and just starts looting all the stores and looting the promenade and, and everything. They don't even seem to be related groups. Uh, and I, th- I saw something like 95% of those arrests were people that were not from the area, were people that came in from elsewhere. So are a bunch of people just randomly on their own deciding they're going to show up in certain places and, and all loot at the same time? That seems like an awful big coincidence for looters, to, for a bunch of looters to all show up in the same exact place at the same exact time. So there has to be some sort of coordination going on. I'm not, I don't know where that coordination comes from, but like I said, the spidey sense is going off. What about for you? Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's one of these things you don't have to look far. You know, you don't have to look far to find this stuff. I mean, some of the things that I've found um, related to this are work in reverse order in terms of when they've happened. So I'll start with the, the, the most recent first. This story broke probably yesterday, maybe 24, 14 hours. Have you heard about the bricks? Yeah. Yeah. The bricks, pallets of bricks been basically left outside the protest zones or in, in the protest zones, should I, so, should, should I say, in numerous cities across the US, mm-hmm. not near a construction site. Like, who is doing that? Like, what is going on? I even saw footage uh, today of, uh, I think it was Boston PD uh, were caught. Uh, somebody was filming them from their cell phone down and looking down on, from their apartment block. They were, had the, the back of their police truck loaded with bricks and they were taking them out of, of the police truck. Like, what the hell? And like, some again, somebody was like, oh, well, they maybe they've just taken the bricks so that people can't throw them. Well, possibly, but why are they taking them out of the truck? And why are people leaving pallets of bricks in, in these protest zones? Have you seen the Umbrella Man video? Did you see oh, that the one? Umbrella Man. That's uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> but, but that is I say, wild. I say favorites loosely, but that, it, some of this stuff is... 
I don't know. I guess I've been around the block for a while here uh, watching this stuff. So to me, it's oddly not that crazy to think it's possible a police officer is involved in starting some of these this violence and, and that sort of thing. To other people who might not be as, as in tune with right. things, uh, so to speak, it, it's probably too hard to even comprehend. You know, how, <laughs> yeah. how could the police go around? And they're, they're, like, to be clear, there's no evidence that this umbrella man and uh, is a cop, but there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, just to describe this for people that haven't seen it, this is during the beginnings of the Minneapolis protests, and there's this guy who comes out of the audio zone where it was just set on fire, and I think there's a bunch of windows smashed. He was coming out of there. Uh, he was confronted by, by protesters uh, about what he was doing in there, and uh, you know he's dressed up in this crazy gas mask, like not even a normal face mask, like a gas mask, and has this, this umbrella. And what struck me the most of the whole thing was that the one guy, I love the guy with the pizza box, is just going after him. <laughs> uh, he's just like, what are you? And he, he's accusing him. He's like, are you a cop? What are you doing? Are you a cop? And what struck me more than anything else, besides not more than, even than his appearance or the fact that he was coming out of the auto zone and went to the police precinct right after it, is the fact that he said, "I'm not a cop. I'm a civilian." Yeah. Who, what normal? What civilian? <laughs> what normal human being talks like that? No person, yeah. no human that's not a cop uses the word civilian. That's not a cop or a military or something is going to just describe themselves as a civilian. Like nobody, yeah. no normal person used that word. So that that really was like okay. If you're saying I'm not a cop, I'm not a police officer, I'm a civilian. I don't know. That sounds kind of like kind of like something what a police officer or, or somebody yeah. somebody in that sort of realm would say. Yeah, yeah. It was proper weird because you know he walked up. It was it was before the any no windows were smashed at that point, right? So there was no there'd been no looting. I don't think at that point, no damage. And he walked up and smashed all the front windows of the auto zone. One by one, not in a violent sort of aggressive, like, oh my God, I'm so mad at the system. Just like right. one by one, methodical, like he was banging a nail in or something. Like he's just doing his job at on. work. He's just, you know, he's, yeah. he's painting a house. He's just yeah. going about his business. He just turned up literally for that one task, did a 180 and, and, let, and you know, calmly walked out then. You're like, if he's not a cop, who the hell, who the hell would do that? Like, what is the motivation for that? You know? Uh, and again, no answers, but just a lot of questions that you think something is, you know, something is going on. I also saw, saw footage of this guy. I think it was in, um, after the Washington protest. I don't know if you saw this one. Um, and he's following somebody down the street. He puts his cell phone on and this guy had got out of a, um, got out of a dark car and he's dressed as a protester wearing all black. Uh, and he, but he's on his own and he, and the guy video and it says, Oh, who are you with? Like, did you go to the protest? He's like, Oh, um, I'm just on my own. He's like, yeah, but who are you with? Who did you just got out of the car with? Oh, I'm with, uh, I'm with CNN. Who are you with? He's like, oh, well, I'm just on my own. He's like, oh, okay. Do you have a good protest? And it's like, it was, again, it was like the most non-normal person type conversation. So the guy who was recording leaves that guy to wander off. He, he leaves the, vi the video rolling so you can see, does a 180 himself, goes back up the sidewalk to the car. Car's there, black car. It's got the window wound down. There's two white guys full, all dressed in black with a little mask pulled up. And he goes up to him and says, uh, who are you guys with? Oh, we're just hanging out. All right. What are you with CNN? No, we're not with CNN. We're just hanging out. Oh, well, the guy back there said you were with CNN. Are you are you undercover cops pretending to be protesters? Window goes up. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, we know it's going on. We know it's going on that they're in there. They're infiltrating. Could they be instigating stuff? I mean, some of the stuff I've seen in just over the past twenty four hours is absolutely crazy. Like, you know, cops trampling protesters with horses. I saw a video of a, a guy 
uh, been pepper sprayed. He was literally just standing there. He was not a violent threat. Pepper sprayed in the face. He didn't move. So they fired a tear gas canister at his head, a point blank, bounced off his head. People shot with ru- rubber bullets. Um, there's a guy who was arrested literally just talking. This is broad daylight. It wasn't a, a post-curfew protest. It was on a grassy area. It was during the day. It's this black guy who was giving an inspirational speech to the cops, trying to win them over, saying that we're all in this together. Let's yeah, see the good one, in yeah. each other. And he gets taken away. And I'm like, so you can't, you can't even, you can't, freedom of speech is dead now, apparently. You, yeah, you that can't guy was protest trying to in the right way. Peace. Like you said, that guy was trying to keep the peace. All he did, he was kneeling down with a whole bunch of other people. And he said, you know, we're all in this together. Like you said, it was nothing violent at all. Even if it, I mean, I don't know, you're allowed to have free speech anyway, no matter what he said, but he didn't say anything negative no. whatsoever. And the cop just comes in and grabs him and take, and they all, they're all circling around the guy who knows what they're doing to him. Look, they, they were just arresting him, not beating him at least or anything, but even that is, is completely unjustified in a supposedly free country, a country where you are supposed to have the right to protest. Uh, it's really interesting to me that COVID basically eliminated, eliminated the right to protest in the U.S. for all intents and purposes, you know, not allowing people to go out of their house, not allowing people to ga- gather. And now suddenly this happens and there's protests everywhere and you don't hear anything about COVID anymore. I mean, not, not a peep. It's, it's, it's almost like, did we just decide COVID's not working and we got to try something else? Um, <laughs> it, really, it really boggles the mind to think what the motivations could be of, of all the factors that are going into this, because there's just no doubt, no doubt that there's people in the government, people in the media, politicians that want this to happen. I mean, it's it's so obvious. I'm not saying it's a grand conspiracy and everyone wants it to happen. I think most people probably don't, but there's certainly people in positions of power that are encouraging it and that do want it to happen. So what's the end game here, Michael? I mean, where do you, where do you see all this going? I, I hope we can kind of wind things down with some kind of ray of sunshine, but every time I try to be more positive, something else worse even happens, even happens here. So I, I, I don't know where to go with all this, but I, I know that someone's got to keep an eye on things and someone's got to keep talking about this stuff. So um, I guess that's, that's part of what our role is here. Yeah, I think I literally I'm the same. I've come to the same place as you. Like, I think it's only going to get worse. But I think the plus side is that people are standing up. You know, they might be getting knocked down. They might be getting trampled on by horses, driven into by cops and shot at with rubber bullets and tear gas. But people are still going out there, you know, and still fighting for their right just to protest and say, I don't like this. I I don't agree with this. And I think that is the positive light. Once that dies, if if there were no protests and there were no riots, that would be bad, right? If, if, if the government said, oh, don't go out, don't do this, and everybody just cowered right. in their homes, that would be like the end. But at least there is resistance now, you know? And it's not, it's not meaningless resistance. Some of it is, obviously, with, with the looting and the violence, mm-hmm. you know, um, against, you know, commercial properties and all that kind of stuff. But there, is a, there seems to be a now an upswell. It almost seems to be getting to critical mass. Like the number of protests is growing each day that people have just had enough of being lauded over. Do you know what I mean? They're just like, well, no, I, I, I'm done with this. Something has got to change. So, who knows where it will go? Especially when people have uh, when people have lost their jobs, lost their, lost their ability to uh, earn income in many ways, and lost their ability to be human. I mean, lost their ability to just regularly interact with their friends and family, uh, regardless of what other other factors there are in this. Just that human element when you can't cage people up for this amount of time and not see a reaction and that doesn't justify all the reactions that doesn't justify looting or rioting but we can still recognize that ever that people are humans and humans are going to react poorly when they're treated poorly uh in this manner and, and i have no doubt that for every hundred peaceful protests there are 
if, if, even if there's only one riot compared to those hundred pieces of protest, the riots, what's going to be on TV, you know, they're going to try to do as much as possible to associate the violence and the looting with the actual legitimate protesters. And I guess it is encouraging that, you know, the, these cities just declared curfews and everyone didn't just go to bed. I mean, it, it's encouraging in a sense, like you said, that people aren't completely sheep altogether. And if there's one thing to take out of this, I, I see a lot of people that are definitely of a different political bent than me that are finally really starting to see the the danger and the power of the police state. I mean, they're, they're seeing this in front of them. People are out there protesting police violence, protesting injustice, and all the police are showing them is more injustice and more violence. And you're seeing these videos all over the place. I mean, there, there's a hundred videos I've probably seen that are just, maybe not just as bad as George Floyd if somebody's not actually dying in them. Uh, but there's, I mean, they're really bad. I mean, they're all situations where people could be dying. Uh, I saw just one the other day where, I don't, I'm not even sure what city it was in, uh, but police came up to this car that was just, just clearly just like I was trying to leave the area, stopped the car, punched the holes in the tires, broke the windows in, pulled this young, what looked like a young couple out, tased both of them with multiple tasers, dragging them out of the car. They're both just look like they're um, being tased into unconsciousness. And who knows, maybe they did something vile and terrible five minutes earlier, but suddenly these, these young, this young couple is surrounded by by thugs, by terrorists. What else can you call them? They're, they're, they have nightsticks. They have weapons. They have tasers. Uh, they're blocking their car. They're stopping them from leaving the area. I mean, you're going to have to... I, I can't think of a crime. I don't care if they just murdered some people. They still need to be treated with, with a due process of some sort. Um, it's just really unbelievable what, what I'm seeing out there. And boy, I really want to have a, a rosier outlook. Like you said, I, I guess just the fact that there is resistance and there is some light being shown on the, the worst parts of the state uh, is something to hope for. One thing I want to tick back to you real quick, because we didn't really go into it all, yeah. is a little bit of the weirdness around the actual video of George Floyd's killing. And I, right. I don't know how much you've looked into that. I think I've heard you mention it, though. And there's a few weird things. One, one, this has been confirmed that they worked together. The officer that killed him and him, they worked in the same nightclub, at least, um, <clears throat> and supposedly even on the same shift. So I got to think they met each other at some point. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ho- hopefully they – I mean, who knows how much in contact they, they kept, but it seems – just a, an odd coincidence that, that this would be two people that work together at one point, but maybe uh, Minneapolis isn't the biggest city. Maybe it's not that crazy. Uh, but then when you look at the actual video, right after Floyd died or right after he'd been leaned on, on his neck had been leaned on for the nine minutes, the officer gets up and then these other police officers come and grab the body and put it on a stretcher or they look like police officers. They're not EMTs. I can tell you this. No one tries to revive him. No one tries to check on him. He did, they just take this limp body, put it on a stretcher, and take him away. And these are just like, they didn't, I don't know what they were. They were police, they weren't EMTs, I know that. They looked like they were in some kind of police-esque uniform, not the same police uniform as the other officer. I don't know. I have no theory here. I'm just I'm just saying, it, there's things that look weird. That, that's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of things that look weird about that video. I mean, having seen, I'm sure like yourself, I've seen a lot of these type of videos. Obviously, nothing has quite as horrific as that, but... A lot of these type of cop videos where cops have been, you know, caught doing stuff, bad stuff, and it just it it didn't look the same. Like there was no shouting. You know what I mean? They weren't. I don't think they were on their radios even. There was no, you know, there, were, there wasn't a big crowd gathering and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's a few weird things. I know people have you know put forward theories that it was you know not staged as in the sense of as fake, but that it was you know it was pre the whole thing was premeditated in some way, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, as you say, something is something is definitely weird about it. I mean, I know when we when we all first saw it, it was just like that one angle you see behind the back of the, the car and you just think, oh, it's just like one cop. And then that other angle got released where you see the other cops just like hiding out of shot right, right. around the back. And it, it's just all a little bit weird. Like, 
why would they not intervene? Why would they not just say, hey, what are you doing? If he was that much of a risk, why aren't they closer into him? Or if they knew that he wasn't, you know, wasn't a risk, why are they not asking the cop what you're doing? Like, why are you still on it? Why aren't they getting him in the car? Right, right. And if he's, like you said, if he's resisting arrest, you would think it would be all those officers that are together right. holding him down or something. But but then that's not happening. And then he's just being held there for nine minutes. It's almost like they're just waiting for him to, to die. I mean, it, it's it's wild. Yeah, yeah. It's and, crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be someone to just draw conclusions because I don't know the conclusion. I just no, exactly, know that yeah. this looks weird. Yeah, that's all I, I understand. I, I, I say that in all my stuff. I'm like, I'll, I'll go find the dots, right? That's, that's my job is I find all the dots. You can join them however you want, but right. there is a lot of weird dots going on at the moment. Yeah, I think I think um, that's one thing we could definitely conclude is that there's a lot of weird dots. And uh, I know you're going to be out there on top of all those dots uh, every day there over at the Michael Cheney Show. So, uh, Michael, why don't I just give you a second to uh, plug everything you got going on, plug everything you've been talking about at the Michael Cheney Show, how people can find the show, of course, Anybody listening to this knows how to find podcasts, but so just just look for the Michael Cheney show uh, and feel free to plug away and any, anything else you got going on. So yeah, my latest project is I actually started this. Uh, th- well, I planned to start this three weeks ago before uh, all these riots and everything broke, which was a deep dive into cops, uh, strangely, huh. uh, and the police. And I'd started gathering video footage, and then this whole situation broke. And I was like, oh my god, I'm going to have to accelerate this out. So I actually released it yesterday. It's called Cops Caught on Camera. TV. So if you go to copscaughtoncamera.tv, I'm collecting as much footage as I can. I'm not adding any narrative to it, any editorial, any kind of political slant on it. It's just whatever people are shooting on their phone, I'm uploading it in there. Most of it obviously is related to uh, to the riots and the unrest that we're seeing at the moment. So a lot of what we've spoken about today with the Umbrella Man and you know these different videos that you, you and I both mentioned today, I've, I've got them on there. Um, so yeah, that would be where people can go to, to get access to those videos. If you want the Corona stuff and all the details of the science behind that, the detailed interviews with uh, scientists that are uh, basically debunking the main narrative. You can get that over at coronatruth.com. Uh, All right. Well, keep up the great work, Michael. I know no matter what is going on in the world, uh, it seems like you're going to be on top of everything. Or, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just another one of those weird dots that Michael Cheney started to work on this cop <laughs> thing right before this happened. I don't know. Hey, hey, I'm not drawing I'm, conclusions. I'm just a civilian. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly normal thing to say sir uh michael thank you so much uh for taking your time i will certainly be tuning into the michael, Ch- michael cheney show because you've been on top of this stuff uh pretty much more than anyone out there so i encourage everyone else to do the same and check it out and uh maybe we'll check in again in a couple months you know when, when the zombies are out <laughs> when we're reflecting back on this is the good old times <laughs> yeah take care knows. michael yeah you too all best <laughs> All right, Kitty Cats, I hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode, this live stream I did with Michael Cheney. Great guy, great guy to follow if you just want to be on top of things. And his show is really great, actually. He gets into a lot of different areas that you might not expect from a necessarily uh, libertarian or entrepreneur podcast. He had a great episode about dealing with stress in these times the other day. So I do want to highly recommend uh, the Michael Cheney show as well. Uh, I will not chirp your ear off. You've been kind enough to give me your ears for an extra 50 minutes or so this week. So I'm not going to do too much hyping and promotion except to tell you, at least, if you did enjoy this bonus content if you do enjoy the show please share this content uh please tell people about the show and please do consider leaving us a five-star rating and a great review especially over on apple Podcasts. wherever you listen a review is appreciated but specifically apple Podcasts is where those ratings really do help us move up the charts uh if you leave us a review we'll try to read that on air and i uh, leave a little comment and we'll we'll give you a shout out so please check that out while you are perusing the web and if you want to support us even more of course you can do so over on patreon at patreon.com slash lions of liberty 
We have a tier level for everybody from two bucks a month to 250 bucks a month with various, various uh, benefits and bonuses along the way. But uh, for as little as five bucks a month, you get access to all of our bonus audio content if you're just craving more Lions of Liberty, such as the Conspiracy Corner shows we do, the Degenerate Gamblers show that's done by Brian, Odie, and Rico. Uh, but... Like I said, I I said I'm not going to promote anything, and then I go on for three or four minutes. But, you know, that's me. That's how I roll, guys. Uh, I do want to remind you, of course, to tune in to Brian McWilliams tomorrow on Electric Liberty Land with his weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty, while Odie wraps things up on Friday with his weekly look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday, a show that is more important than ever now with people really having their eyes on this stuff. And until then, my friends, live long and live free.